I have told you about how eight members of the Roden family were gunned down execution style. I told you about how it led to a two-year investigation and the largest homicide investigation in the state of Ohio's history. There is still a lot more to talk about, so let's continue on with Jake Wagner and the Piketon Massacre. I am Bill Swafford and this is Murderers in Ohio. So we got a killer on a run in Ohio. Welcome back. This is part two of Jake Wagner and the Python Massacre case. If you haven't listened to part one, I would suggest going back and doing so. There is so much to this case that a person cannot start in the middle of it and get a full understanding of what happened and what is still going on to this day in 2022. I would like to take a moment and go over a little bit of what I talked about in part one. I had one over how eight members of the Roden family were found gunned down execution style in their homes. Then Mike DeWine made an announcement about the three marijuana grow operations on the Roden's properties. I had went over the partial autopsy reports. I ended part one with how law enforcement had started towing vehicles off the Roden properties. This is where I'm going to continue. One thing I did fail to mention at the start of the investigation and for days to even weeks later, parts of Union Hill Road were completely shut down. As things were being removed from the road and properties, they partially opened the road back up. Once the road was fully reopened, there was still patrol cars sitting in different spots of the road. Law enforcement had four crime scenes and a lot of evidence to protect. I said in part one that on May 3rd, funeral service for six of the rodent victims were held. And while these services were being held, law enforcement would start removing some of the vehicles off the rodent properties. Vehicles were not the only things towed off the property. Around the middle of May, family members of the rodent's victims noticed that the mobile homes were being towed off the property. Law enforcement would remove four mobile homes, a bunch of vehicles, and tractors. This was all done to preserve the evidence. I think that this was a smart decision, and plus it could have been a bad decision. I believe that this was a smart decision because all the area where the homes were at, this area is what a person might refer to as a backcountry road, not too many neighbors around. It would be easy for a person to get into this property unnoticed if it wasn't watched 24 hours a day. If evidence is not watched 24 hours a day, there is a greater possibility of evidence being stolen or planted in some cases. So this was a smart ideal. But not all smart ideals are the best ideals. I mean, this could have been a bad decision because all of the evidence inside of the mobile homes getting shooken around as the mobile homes were being transported to an impound lot. Everything that was taken from the road and properties were taken to the city of Waverly in Pike County. Everything was taken to some kind of a warehouse. The mobile homes and vehicles were kept outside in an outdoor lot. 
This lot was surrounded by a fence. A couple of investigative reporters had gone to the lot to check out the place and see how things were being handled. What they had found at the warehouse impound lot wasn't good. There was no law enforcement at this impound warehouse. There was no one there watching over the evidence. They had four crime scenes surrounded by just a fence. I'm talking about a normal six to eight foot high fence, no barbed wire. This is a prosecutor's nightmare. This could destroy a case before they even have a case. The fact that there was no law enforcement watching over this impound warehouse leaves a huge opening for any defense team to come into a courtroom and say that all that evidence they had was no good. The evidence cannot be trusted because it was not fully watched over 24 hours a day. Any good lawyer would call out law enforcement on this huge mistake. I would like to think things happened this way with the impound lot because Pike County didn't have a lot of officers. But I do remind myself that the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation helped out Pike County. Not only them, but also the FBI, the DEA, and other multiple sheriff departments in Ohio. They had ways to take better care of the evidence. A lot of people would end up questioning how Pike County law enforcement was handling this investigation. And not only this investigation, but other homicide cases in Pike County as well. While all this was going on, there were other things going on as well. Six days after the Roden family murders, Jake Wagner files for custody for Sophia and of Hannah's newborn baby. This did not look good on Jake's behalf. A lot of people thought it was too soon for him to file for custody over his daughter and of the newborn baby that might not even be his. I am kind of 50-50 on this. As a father, I can see Jake wanting to be with his daughter and not wanting his daughter to get too far into the court system. It's hard for me to say that he looks like a suspect in the murders because he filed for custody right away. Who knows what the appropriate amount of time is in a situation like this. At the time, no one knew who was the father of Hannah Roden's newborn baby. There were three men who could have possibly be the father, Jake Wagner being one of them. Hannah and Jake did end their relationship. It is said that Jake still had kept hope that they would get back together. Hannah, she had started dating someone else. This guy was Charlie Gilly. Charlie was Hannah Gilly's brother and Frankie Roden's best friend. The relationship between Hannah and Charlie lasted for some time, but they had ended the relationship. Hannah did date another guy after Charlie, but I actually forgot the third guy's name. When Hannah had gotten pregnant with her second child, one of those two men and Jake Wagner were possibly the fathers of the baby. You might have noticed that I had thrown in Jake's name as a possible father of Hannah's newborn. There is a good reason why I did that. Even though Hannah and Jake were not still together, they still had some kind of sexual relationship. 
That right there shows a reason why Jake would believe that there was still hope for Hannah and him to get back together. In his mind, the fact that they were still having sex on occasions meant that their relationship was not over yet. People don't have sex with somebody that they are completely done with. With all that being said, there was a DNA test given to the three man and the baby. It turns out that Jake is not the dad and Charlie Gilly is the dad. Charlie got custody over Hannah's newborn baby. A year would go by and no arrests would be made. Law enforcement had no idea what the motive behind the execution of one family could be. The Pike County Sheriff's Department told the residents of Pike County to arm themselves. The theories of what happened to the Roden family would just keep adding up. The only theory that I would consider, if I did not know what I knew now, is the theory of a rival weed grower. Who were the other marijuana growers in or around Pike County at this time? Was the Wagner family involved in any kind of way with marijuana? Did the Wagners know what the Rodens were doing? The Rodens did at times get along with the Wagners. Hannah and Jake's daughter tied the two families together. The Rodens had attended George Wagner's wedding. Two families went from being friends to one family being murdered and the other family that would soon be under law enforcement's radar for the murders. The Wagner family had been in Pike County for a few generations. The head of the Wagner family, I would say, is Federica Wagner. Federica is Billy Wagner's mom. Federica and her husband, who is deceased, owns a large piece of land in Pike County. They run a couple of different farm businesses. They actually created their own breed of horses. They sell horses and other types of animals. Frederica built and funded a church for the community. She considers herself to be a God-fearing woman. However, this God-fearing woman has been accused throughout the years of doing shady business deals. Frederica had ran a nursing home and she was accused of taking advantage of people who could not help themselves. Now, Billy Wagner is a heavy-set guy with some facial hair. Billy had been married to Angela Wagner for 20 years or more. Angela has long blonde hair and looks like a normal everyday mom. Billy and Angela have two sons. Both are in their mid-20s at the time. George is the oldest son, with Jake being the youngest. George and Jake both have one child apiece. This is a family that proves the old saying right. Don't judge a book by its cover. You can look at this family and say that they might be a lower class family. The men look rough around the edges. They live in a county that has a high unemployment rate. But this family has some money. I will point out why I say this later on. The Roden Wagner families were alike in some ways. They both were rough around the edges. They would do anything for their families. 
The Wagners and Rodens were the type of people who were not afraid to throw fists if they had to. An example of that would be Frankie and Chris Jr. They both loved the Demolition Derby. They even had people there that didn't like them so much. There was an incident between Frankie, Chris, and some of their friends. They had gone over to another driver's house. They had physically assaulted that person and that person's dad. So the Rodens were no strangers to so-called street justice. Now at some point in time, I do know that Jake and his mom was questioned about the murders. I believe they both were interviewed a couple of times. After the murders, some say that Angela and Jake were emotionally upset about the murders. With everything that is known now about this case, it is hard to understand why they were emotionally upset. Were they upset that the rodents were dead? Or was it the feeling of guilt over what they had done to the rodents? Law enforcement would start to really focus on Jake Wagner and his family. My question about this is why did it take so long for law enforcement to put some pressure and focus on the Wagner family? Usually during a homicide investigation, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends get focused on early on in the investigation. So to get back to the timeline of events, on May 12th of 2017, two warrants were executed on a 71-acre property that had been recently sold by Jake and his brother George. I cannot help but wonder what took investigators so long to go and search Jake's place. These search warrants were executed one year from the day that law enforcement started moving the mobile homes from the Rowan's properties. These two search warrants were done after Jake had sold the property. As an investigator, wouldn't you stand a better chance to get more evidence if the suspects still occupy the property? Someone who has not heard of this case might wonder why law enforcement really started to focus on the Wagners. There are a few reasons why this could be. There was an altercation between Chris Rowan Sr. and Billy Wagner a few days before the murders. No one knows what the argument was over, or at least no one will say why. This makes me wonder again about the marijuana grow operations and who all knew what the Rowans were doing. Did any of the Wagner family members know about the Rowans grow operations? I also wonder how long the Rowans had been growing marijuana. After everything I know now, I also wonder if this argument between Chris and Billy maybe was over Hannah and Jake. Chris and Billy were both granddads to Hannah and Jake's daughter, Sophia. Someone who doesn't know this case may also wonder why Chris and Billy would argue about anything to do with Hannah and Jake. Hannah and Jake did have some problems over Sophia. In the state of Ohio, if a man and a woman are not married and have a child, a man has no rights over that child. All a man can do is pay child support and then pay a lawyer to go to court and fight for some custody rights. 
just to see the child. It is said that there were times that things got heated up between Hannah and Jake over Sophia. But could this all really be over the custody of one child? I want to say something real quick about the property that was owned by Jake and his brother George. This was a 71-acre piece of land. How did two guys in their mid-twenties get their hands on a 71-acre piece of land? This is a reason why I say there is money in the Wagner family. Was this piece of land given to Jake and George by another Wagner family member? With that many acres, you're talking about a piece of property that could be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. Now, after law enforcement had searched the 71-acre property on May 13th of 2017, they still did not make any arrests, but they still did not give up on looking into the Wagner family. The Wagner family obviously knew that law enforcement was looking into their family. The Wagner family would do something that would surprise law enforcement and the people of Pike County. Sometime in June, the Wagners packed up their things and moved to Alaska. I am not talking about one or two of the Wagners. I'm talking about Billy, Angela, George, Jake, and their children. This is a big move for the Wagner family to make, especially during a homicide investigation. Jake had been quoted in saying that they made the move to get Sophia away from everything that was going on with the media and the homicide investigation. But this did not work as they had hoped, because the National Enquirer found the Wagner family in Alaska. While they were up in Alaska, Jake Wagner had gotten into a relationship with a woman. Jake and this new woman eventually got married. While the Wagners were in Alaska, law enforcement kept up with their investigation. Law enforcement would take to the news media asking if anyone had any information on the Wagners. It was made clear that the Wagner family was law enforcement's top suspects in the execution-style murders of eight Roden family members. On April 22nd of 2018, two years after the murders, Mike DeWine and the county prosecutor made it clear that law enforcement was still working hard on the investigation into the Roden homicides. They were still focused on the Wagner family. They even had an office set up in the county where at least a couple of investigators were assigned. The investigators in that office were to stay focused on the investigation. There still had been no arrest up to this point. There was a family member who actually had told the Wagners that they should move to Alaska. Some people thought the Wagners would get away from being arrested since they had moved there. But this move only helped the investigation because a month after this move, law enforcement would search the properties where the Wagners had once lived. While up in Alaska, the Wagners all lived together in a double-wide trailer. Billy and Angela had even registered to vote. Jake had gotten a job, and he still had his daughter Sophia. 
In spring of 2018, the Wagners would make another surprising move. The Wagners moved back to Pike County. But would the people of Pike County welcome back the Wagners? The Wagners did not have a good homecoming. The people of Pike County had already convicted the Wagners. The Wagners ended up getting harassed by people. Angela had gone into a store one day and had come out to have a lady throw a bottle at her. People were not happy about the Wagners being back in Pike County. That would be Mike DeWine and law enforcement's fault. They had gone to the media asking for the public's information on the Wagners. By doing what they did, they publicly convicted the Wagners of the road murders. Sometime after the Wagners had gone back to Pike County, law enforcement would do another search warrant on the farm once owned by Jake and George Wagner. They somehow found more pieces of evidence, yet there still was no arrest made up to this point. It was in October of 2018 when investigators said that they had gotten their last piece of physical evidence and that it had been tested. It would be a couple of weeks after this that there would be another big surprise in the investigation. On November 13th of 2018, four members of the Wagner family would be arrested for the execution-style murders of the eight Roden family members. Billy Wagner was found inside of a horse trailer on an interstate somewhere outside of Lexington, Kentucky. Angela was arrested in her home. Jake and George were out in a vehicle. Officers had performed a traffic stop on the two brothers and arrested Jake and George Wagner. Law enforcement now has the four people who they believe murdered eight members of the Roden family. However, they did make two more arrests. They arrested Billy Wagner's mom, Federica Wagner, and Angela Wagner's mom, Rita Newcomb. The last two arrests are surprising. One lady is in her mid-60s, and Frederica is in her mid-70s. How could two older ladies be involved in this horrible crime? I will talk more about that in a minute. Something I forgot to put in earlier is that after everything was removed from the ruins property, the property itself was released to the surviving family members. This in itself was another problem for the family. I will use Chris Sr.'s property as an example. They did not know who to release the property to. Chris's ex-wife Dana and their kids were dead. It would have to be taken to probate court to see what surviving family member was entitled to the property. There is so much information about this case that it is hard to keep everything in order. Something else I forgot to say in part one and in this episode is that there was evidence that the rodents were involved in cockfighting. Cockfighting is basically taking two male chickens, putting them in a small area, and have them fight while people stand around and take bets. There is a possibility that the rodents were involved with illegal cockfighting. There have been rumors of illegal cockfighting going on in northern Kentucky and that decent money can be made from it.
There is something else I will add in right now. There was a Roden family member that law enforcement had been watching. I forget who this person was. I know it was a male subject. They had put a tracking device on this guy's vehicle, which the guy had gotten arrested for removing the tracking device. You might be wondering why law enforcement would follow around one of the victim's family members. They had a good reason to follow and watch this guy. By going through Jake Wagner's phone records, law enforcement found out that this guy, a Rowan family member, had texted Jake Wagner the night of the murders. But they did not know what the text was about. This did not look good for that family member of the Rodens. Did that Roden family member tip off Jake to when the Rodens were home or asleep? It did bring up some questions and get the investigators' attention. Before I start talking about the charges that the Wagner family are accused of, I want to talk about what the prosecutor says is the motive behind the execution-style murders of the eight Roden family members. I have never fully supported the motive that the investigators are saying is the reason for these murders. Investigators believe that the Rowans were murdered over the custody battle between Hannah and Jake. Law enforcement believe that they have evidence to prove that the Wagner family killed eight members of the Roden family to get custody over Hannah and Jake's daughter, Sophia. I don't or cannot believe that this is the full motive behind the execution-style murder of another family. I have heard about custody battles going bad and possibly ending up in murder, but it's usually between two parents, not between two families. And what about Kenneth Roden? Why go to Kenneth's place and kill him? Did the Wagners really think that there was a chance that Kenneth would get custody over Sophia after the Rodens had died? Then there's the fact that the Wagner family had some money. They had money for lawyers. I know in the state of Ohio it is very hard for a man to get custody of a child if that mom is being a good parent. But the Wagners had money for better lawyers. The Wagner family are not just a bunch of idiots. These people ran farm businesses and banks. I find it hard to believe that all four of them, Billy, Angela, George, and Jake, sat down and agreed that the only way to get custody over Sophia was to kill eight people. They might have killed eight people, but what was the full motive behind what the Wagners had done on April 22nd, 2016? Alright, this is where I'm going to have to say that there is going to have to be a part three into the story behind Jake Wagner and the Python Massacre. There is just too much information to throw at at somebody all at once. And a person needs all of this information to fully understand the madness behind the murders, the madness behind the investigation. There are still two Wagner family members who still are standing trial for these murders. I still would like to go over what the Wagners are being charged with. 
I do have a copy of the original court indictment on George Wagner, which I would like to go over. Then there's the fact that on the fifth anniversary of the murders, Jake Wagner changed his plea of not guilty to guilty and took a plea deal. Then we have the new information that was coming out that Angela Wagner took her plea deal to conspiracy to murder and had received 30-year sentence. In a part of that plea deal, Angela agrees to testify against her husband and son, Billy and George Wagner. And also in December of 2021, George Wagner was back in court. So make sure that you subscribe to Murderers in Ohio to be around for part three and find out what kind of evidence that the prosecutors may have on the Wagner family. If you have enjoyed what you are listening to, please share it with a friend. It would help out the podcast. I have been your host, Bill Swafford, and this has been Murderers in Ohio. This podcast and music was written and performed by William Swafford. We got the devil on the road and a 